Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. You know what that means. It's time to wake up for Friday, fun day edition of the Daybreak <laughs> Devotions program. I couldn't remember what we were doing there for a second. For a second, you started to say mid-morning man. No, I started oh. to say the code of man. Uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you all listeners for being with us on this Friday edition of the um, Daybreak Devotions. I'm going to get that right. But in fairness now, it's been a busy week. A yes. lot of things going on. And very, very uh, thankfully, many venues and opportunities to be able to speak to God's people and and uh, hopefully somewhere along the way, share the gospel out to maybe somebody who doesn't even know the Lord. That'd Absolutely. be a real blessing. But anyway, we're glad you're here for the Friday Fun Day edition, and uh, we're excited to wrap up another week. We've been talking about the life of David, and we've really spent most all the week in First uh, Samuel 16, and I think you've got some things you're going to take us through on that today. Uh, so what were we going to do? Oh, being Friday fun day. Now, I started to come with uh, some breaking news of the weird, Ooh. but I, I'm not going to do that today okay. because I was I was thinking before, uh, before we have a fun day song or a little piece of a song, I was remembering, I was reading last night in the latest edition of Reader's Digest. I don't get Reader's Digest, but they sent me a sample copy. Did you get one? No, I didn't even know they still sent out Reader's Digest. Oh, yeah, a little magazine thing. I got one in the yeah. mail, and they want me to sign up. And You know, my philosophy, I looked at it. Normal price is like 30 some dollars but I can sign up for $10. But then I said to myself, well, I was doing good before I knew I could get Reader's Digest. I guess I'll be fine without it. So I, I didn't order it. Yeah, that's... That's good. But I am reading the one they sent me. I don't want it to be wasted. And I was reading some of the jokes last night, and I happened to think of one that I thought would be great for Friday Fun Day. Are you ready for this? Hit me. Well, I want to build up to it because I've, I've got a few jokes I want to give today. I mean, it's Friday Fun Day. We're going to get serious in a minute, but everybody needs a little laughter, a little lightheartedness. So um, speaking of news of the weird, mm-hmm. uh, read a report about a turtle was crossing the road when he was mugged by two snails. When the police showed up, they asked him what had happened. The shaken turtle replied, I don't know. It all happened so fast. <laughs> I was talking to a guy in a bread line the other day and uh, said, what, what happened, buddy? He said, well, I quit my job working for Nike. I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> that one took me a second. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Maybe with the last joke, I'll wake the audience up. This isn't funny, really, though. What I'm doing is not funny. This is serious stuff. Uh, just last week, I, I nearly I nearly went into a state of depression. I tried so hard to organize a hide-and-seek tournament, but it was a complete failure. Good players are just hard to find. Well, I, I want to appreciate all of you for, uh, for for the canned laughter at my jokes today. Thank you for that, and for all of you listening, I'm sure uh, I'm sure it's been a blessing to you. Now for the big one, the big finale of my uh, of my news of the weird and jokes for Friday Fun Day. So I was reading about this story. A lion woke up one morning uh, with this overbearing desire to go out and remind his fellow creatures of the jungle that he was the king. 
So he marched over to a monkey and roared, Who's the mightiest animal in the jungle? You are, master, said the monkey, quivering. Then the lion came across a wildebeest. Who is the mightiest animal in the jungle, roared the lion. You are, master, answered the wildebeest, shaking with fear. Next the lion met an elephant. Who is the mightiest animal in the jungle, roared the lion. The elephant grabbed the lion with his trunk, slammed him repeatedly against a tree, dropped him like a stone, and ambled off. All right, shouted the lion. There's no need to turn nasty just because you don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm holding my laugh in. That's good. All right, that's all I got for Friday Fun Day, weird news and jokes. All right, well, uh, I don't know if there's a way to turn this over now to you to take us into the devotional or if we need to do something else. No, I think there's a great segue that's built in right here because a little bit of what I would like to discuss with you about today is just like that lion that you mentioned with, I think you could safely call that a, a, a superiority complex. You know, he just wanted to let everybody know who was in charge. That's what you see a lot manifested in the life of King Saul, especially in 1 Samuel 16 and, and 17. Um, we've been talking a lot, and we, we've done some comparing and contrasting between these two men's character, their origin, um, what got them to, to the point of selection, and, and all of these different things. And I was doing some reading just the other morning, and I was back in 1 Samuel 16, uh, getting getting ready for today's broadcast, and something jumped out to me in verse 14, which says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. So this this troubling spirit, we don't know. There, there's a, a lot of different possibilities. A spirit of depression, a spirit of anger, a spirit of all sorts of different things. But it, it plagues and it, and it bothers King Saul. And his servants say, hey, there's, there's a cure out there. We need to find somebody that can, that can bring your spirit some ease. And, I, and I, I find it very interesting what Saul's qualities were in verse 17. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. That was his only qualification. Find somebody that can really tickle the ivories. Not really seen a lot of harps. I know they're similar to pianos. Probably not any actual physical keys. Um, uh, uh, I have nothing like pianos, but but carry on. Well, yeah, they. I mean, it's it's a, it's a stringed instrument, but it's just played differently. Like I I can't help but think of like the harpsichord. That's like the. Hey, it's your analogy. Anyhow. Tell it how you want to. Yeah. That was what Saul said. He said, I just want somebody that can play well. Somebody that's gonna that's gonna sound good. Whether but, it was a harp, a piano, or a guitar, he didn't care. Yeah, as long he as didn't care. Play. Just somebody can play good. But verse eighteen, then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. That is, now listen to the description. Cunning and playing. Okay, good. Check that box. And a mighty valiant man, and a man of war and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. So this servant of Saul tells the king, all right, you've given me one item to check off. Well, I found a guy that fits the bill that can play well, but let me just say, it's almost like that, infom that infomercial, but wait, there's more. 
And he begins to give these, these qualities of David. And the reason that that jumped out to me is because when you read 1 Samuel 17, which may quite possibly be you know, the thing that David is most well known for, I always read 1 Samuel 17 and thought, man, not only was Saul a coward, but he was kind of an, an unwise coward because he basically just takes this young, unproven guy and is like, okay, well, if you're willing to do it, go fight, and uh, we're all rooting for you. But when you go back to 1 Samuel 16, there is a lot about David that Saul already knew prior to ever allowing him to go forward. You know, he had, he had received this testimony of David that he was cunning and playing, but a mighty, valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters. And so when Saul, of course, sends him and David comes in, verse 21, and David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. So the reputation of David preceded him. David carried himself and earned enough of Saul's respect that Saul entrusted him to be the guy that was going to go before him in battle to carry his armor, to, to do this, this level. Of, you don't just give anybody that kind of responsibility. So there was already something about David that even Saul himself noticed and identified in his, in his character and his qualities so that when David ultimately comes before Saul and says, Listen, Saul, thy servant will go. I'll go fight. I'll take on this Philistine. I'm not afraid. There was already, there was already a, a, a comfort level that King Saul had to say, all right, I don't think this guy's, he's no match for Goliath. But I know this much. He's proven himself before, and I don't have any other better options. So I'm going to allow him to go forward. And I think it just resonates even more of the character of, of, the, of the caliber of man that David was long before he was ever thrust into the spotlight that he was successful in the small things. And his, his testimony and his reputation was such in a way that it garnered the attention of Saul's servants as well as King Saul himself. Well, I think the questions that pop up would be, how do we know what David was I mean, we know David was diligent. We know he was faithful in small things, but it's just an interesting testimony. You know, you're you're calling our attention to verse 18. Number one, who is this servant? Mm -hmm. Now it says that he's one of the servants, but look at the description he gives of of David. Cunning and plain. Okay, all right. Mighty, valiant man. Now, best we know at this point, David is still a teenager. Okay, which. A teenager back in those days, very different than a teenager today. But then it gets even crazier, a man of war. Now, where does that record come from? Now, I know that David's going to testify before Goliath here in the next chapter that God had delivered him from the paw of the lion and the bear and all that. And Matter of fact, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is coming up in chapter 17. Yeah, we, we'll just hold on to that one. But that being said, it just can't, when you, when you consider... Go back to our discussions about the will of God. What God wills will be done. God has willed that he's going to make David the king. 
Now he's already sending this spirit on Saul to get him all stirred up and 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 you know ruffled. I just wonder if that servant that was put there was not maybe an implant. Perhaps is uh, an implant the right word? Yeah, like an angel unawares. Well, I didn't want to take it that far, but since you did, <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, though, look at the testimony. Where would that have come from? I mean, we just got through talking about nobody even, nobody in his own family knew who this David was or yep. knew what he was capable of or whatever. So where is this testimony coming from? Now, I don't I don't know. It came from the Lord either way. And I guess in, in one sense it just proves to us or it just it just adds to that truth that what God wills will be done. Sure. And David's role was to be prepared for whatever God would bring him into. And I think that's a very important point with David. Again, going back a little bit to the comparing and contrasting, Saul was selected for something very specific, and he he shied away from the responsibility. He was literally drug into his position. Hey, you you got to do it, man. Come on. You, this is what you've been selected for. The hand of the Lord's with you. It's time to leave the video games behind, buddy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and to Saul's credit, you know, you do read back in, I believe it's chapter 12, he, he's out mining the, the business in the field, and he gets word that the Ammonites have come in and, and are attacking the land, and he gets, he gets angry and cuts a yoke of oxen and pieces and sends it through the land and says, look, anybody that doesn't show up to fight, I'm going to do the same thing to your oxen. And, and so you see some— That escalated quickly. Yeah. You see, some, you see some good traits in Saul, but always this apprehension— and hesitancy to to step in to do what needs to be done. David, time and again. Well, I, I, it just made me think. I mean, you, you you compared this to the superiority complex, but it's it's almost like with Saul, it was it was more of an insecurity complex, masked thing. in yeah. a superior. Like I, Saul always kind of gives this impression that he needs, he's trying to prove to everybody yeah. that that he is good enough. Mm-hmm. David, on the other hand. He just goes out and does what has to be done. Yeah. His, again, getting into verse 17, but his cause is greater than himself. Yeah. Which was true when he has to defend these sheep when he's out there by himself yeah. in the wilderness. He he really doesn't care who does it. It's, it's, it's irrelevant to him who takes care of the giant, who takes care of the wolf or the bear or the lion or whatever the obstacle is. Don't matter to him. Just somebody get up and do it. What? No takers? All right, then I'll do it. So David could be from flag, uh, his flag page country could be perfect. Yes. Well, and I was saying that just to kind of be a little light on that, but actually when you think about David, there's so many, now we're getting off track because people are like, what are you talking about? Well, we'll explain that later. But basically his temperament and his, his, uh, his heart was very intrinsic, but he did all that he did for the sake of the people Throughout his years, I mean, other than obviously when he gave in to sin and did for himself. Yeah, but to to keep following on that analogy, there there was something in David that that highlighted and acknowledged there's a certain way things need to be done, and it's for the glory and the honor of the Lord. And I think you even see a little bit of that. So we'll go ahead and, and transition into chapter 17. And well, go ahead. Before you go any further, I did want to make the point again. It, it, it jumps out in all that you read, just how impressionable David is. 
And what I mean by that is people are drawn to him. Mm -hmm. Initially, he's the kind of guy that when he comes around, there's something about him that people are drawn toward and they want to get close to him and they want to see what this is. But then his heart eventually draws a line to which some are not willing to cross, like Saul. Because I just thought is, you know, when, when he comes and Saul, as you were pointing out, all Saul wanted was somebody that could play well. But when he meets David, he ends up making him his armor bearer and he loves him dearly. He, he just, you know, there's something about David that you just want to have him around. But then when David starts acting like all that matters is God, well, then people start, uh, hence, as you mentioned the other day, how wonderful the story of his mighty men who just stood with him through it all. Yeah, because David was a threat. David was, I don't think he was intentionally upsetting apple carts, but he wasn't phased if one got upset either. Because it was all about, you know, the will of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. This is getting a little ahead of things, but in his flight with Saul, the numerous opportunities that he had to to take care of business, not my place. This is the Lord's anointed. This is his plan. This is his time. He'll work it out. He was always about magnifying the name of the Lord, even when it flew in the opposite, or even when it, it flew in opposition to the, well, that just makes sense. Of course, come on, David. It's common sense. Just, just do it. You know, David. Why aren't you hiding behind the rocks like all of your older brothers? And that's why. That's why Saul had to give up the kingdom. Uh, it's like the guy working for Nike. He just couldn't do it that's anymore. Exactly right. And he said, "Ah, oh, I just can't. I can't take it. You're on fire." <laughs> but as as you go through and as as you even see David's interactions in in chapter seventeen. I think the the thing that jumped out to me so much with what we've already read in chapter 16 was a verse that you see in, in 1 Samuel 17, verse 15. And there's a lot of material in between there, and we may highlight some more of that, but I did want to just read this. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, I'm not well-versed in ancient Israelite culture and customs. But I feel pretty confident that to be the armor bearer of the king would have been a pretty prestigious position for a servant. That would have been a place of honor. I mean, you're going to be working in close conjunction with the king. You know you have the trust of the king because the king's not just going to give that responsibility to anybody. That would be a, a high honor thing. Maybe maybe one step down from being the cupbearer. Yeah, but you see David still has this acknowledgement of, King, I'm honored, but I've got duty and responsibility that, that I at least need to close that out. We don't know if this was just a one-time thing. We don't. One thing we do know, it was like an internship that God was orchestrating. Uh, absolutely. You know, we don't know how long David was intending to go back, if he was just tidying up loose ends, but we do know this. David didn't let his new position now all of a sudden cause him to shirk his responsibility of, well, sorry, I am too good to take care of the sheep. I've been anointed by Samuel. I've been promoted to the armor bearer of the king. I am his personal harpist. I mean, sorry, Dad, you're going to have to find somebody else to take care of those sheep. I, I've got more important things to do. You still see the heart of David to be aware of it doesn't matter how big or how small the responsibility is. If it's my responsibility, I'm going to be faithful to it 
until it is no longer my responsibility. Whether or not God ever elevates us to a higher responsibility, mm-hmm. but I can assure you to every child of God, if you will be faithful to what God has entrusted to you, you will be elevated to a higher position, yes. if not in this life, certainly in the, the the eternal kingdom that is coming. And so, you know, God's going to honor those who honor him. I mean, I don't have the exact reference in my mind right now, but you take the, the parable of the servants, and you, know, you have been faithful in a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. And, and that, that analogy is, is validated all throughout Scripture. You just do what God has entrusted you with, and don't look at it as a big task or a small task. If God has given you that responsibility, he's given you all that you need in order to fulfill it, to be successful in it, to bless and to glorify his name in it. So just be faithful to it all the way through the end. And David models and exemplifies that very principle. You know, I'm thinking about, as you talk about that, people that I know, we know, and people I have known who are faithful to serve in their church, they're faithful to, to do whatever you ask them to do. They give their best to it. They're not getting the calls to go here or there or, or do whatever. You couldn't do without them. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have them there. And they, they seem to not be, they're not worried about it. Right. They're not looking for, you know, ambition. And, and I'm, I, th- I feel like I'm being a little vague or not saying that. I, I know at least on the surface you understand, everybody will understand what I'm saying. But, I mean, there's a real treasure in having people like that around you, people in your life and in your churches. Our churches ought to be filled with people like yes. that. And we certainly can't can't make it or do what God is, has us set here to do as little outposts of the kingdom unless we have that kind of a spirit and heart among our people. What is it? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. To just be sold out in honoring and glorifying the Lord with our life and to be content in the current position that we are, the, the place that we're at. And if the Lord moves me or elevates me or demotes me, doesn't matter because wherever I am, I'm where God has me, and I'm going to be godly. I'm going to be so focused on God that what more could I want in life? Every now and then to be elevated or to be brought to a higher, a more important position— we sometimes have to get demoted. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we have to get some some things taken out from under us or chopped out from under us. I mean, I've had that experience in my life. You know, there's been things that I thought I wanted if I could get there, and then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, honestly, before the Lord, there, there's been some occasions where it was a pretty big thing, and initially, at least, I was upset. But I think I can say, honestly, before God, that I have no bitterness or had no bitterness over those things and then as I continued on the way, it seemed like God was opening. Then I understood what he was opening up to me, which was a far greater. Now let's bring Romans 12, 1 and 2 back into this. Verse verse 2, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. At the time, what looked like a great plan for me, we could categorize the will of, of Mike, got shut down. But as I followed what God was opening up, I found that the will of God was what was good, acceptable, and perfect in right. my life. And, you know, David saw, you know, I don't know that David's ambition in life was to always be taking care of the sheep, but I suspect 
Had David always been the shepherd of his, for his family's flocks, he would have been fine. And yet at the same time, there was something burning in the heart of that young man that maybe he couldn't put a finger on it, but perhaps he just knew he wouldn't be there forever. It was a, we would call it maybe like a call to greatness. And you say, well, yeah, I mean, he, he, had, been, he had been anointed. Not greatness in, in the human standpoint, and I, and I hope that that's one thing we're being very clear on. David knew that he was being called to greatness because God had something for him in his life. And he had a relationship with God. He had a heart after God. That is a great thing. And, and to, know, to know that, man, God has, has called me to be with him in, in my life. And he wants me to be with him. And he wants me to grow in him. Is a call to greatness that is offered to every single child of God. But so long as we continue to look through it through human lenses, well, a call to greatness, I'm going to pastor a big church, I'm going to have a nice house, I'm going to have a fancy job, I'm going to be able to give hundreds of thousands of dollars to missions. Great, great, great. That's not the call to greatness that God is giving us. He is calling us to a great life, an abundant life, and a joyful life lived in, with, and through Him in all capacities. You know what this reminds me of? The heart of a champion. Is standing for Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. A champion will finish what he began. Jesus is worthy of faith to the end. In the heart of a champion, there is a fire. for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.